The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Direct us, O Lord, in all our doings with our most gracious favor and further us with our continual help that in all works begun, continued, and ended in thee we may glorify thy holy name and finally by thy mercy obtain everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Two Sundays I did this, this class on this great contrast between Jesus' ability uh, to overcome Satan's temptation. What a great contrast it is over and against our ability uh, to, to face up to temptations. We're not able to fend off the devil. Jesus was able to fend off the devil. Uh, we fall. He stands. <clears throat> We're weak. He is strong. And I made the point that the devil has what I would call a tailor-made a temptation just for, just for you. He, know, he knows all about you and he knows exactly how to go about tempting you. He knows where you're vulnerable. He knows if you're lonely. He knows if you're hungry for this or that. He knows if you have a particular sensitivity to this thing or the other thing. And uh, that's exactly, he'll go right after that. So my, my particular pitfall may not look exactly like your pitfall. Uh, my uh, bondage may look like uh, your particular bondage. But ultimately, we're, we're, the human condition is evenly distributed. We're all held back and we're held down by forces greater than, than we are. I talked a lot about that. Ephesians 6.12. We are not contending against flesh and blood but against the principalities, against the powers of this present darkness. As Martin Luther so brilliantly put in his, his wonderful hymn, A Mighty Fortress, A mighty fortress is our God, for still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. We're not contending upon anything that you and I have the power to overcome. On earth is not his equal. He's talking about Satan and his power. Until he ran into Jesus, of course. And then Satan did, in fact, run into a power, a power that was uh, a greater than, than he. That was the first part of the class. And then on the second part of that same class, I went on to talk about the cruelty of some very well-meaning straight churches that stress what a difference that the Holy Spirit can make in your life and in my life uh, when we fight temptation and, we, we, and overcoming the wiles of the tempter. Uh, they rightly talk about becoming, through the power of the Holy Spirit, becoming a new, Christ, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Uh, they talk about a new life and uh, the experience and in, in, in the uh, spirit of forgiveness through the cross. They talk about peace of conscience and fellowship uh, with God who's our Father in heaven, but then they go on to stress that through the indwelling of the power of this Holy Spirit that we will be pretty much enabled through the power of the Spirit to overcome all those sins that at one time held us in bondage. Once we were in bondage, we had this indwelling of the Holy Spirit, uh, and now we, are, uh, we uh, have overcome that. Now, let me emphasize, because someone ask me about this, and rightly so. Uh, there is indeed some truth to this. Many people, have, through prayer and through healing, have been able 
uh, to overcome many of the things that once held them in bondage. And it's right to teach and preach this. And when that happens, when you are able to make progress and you see you can make progress, then uh, get, let's give God the glory for his grace. But, it's, but it, my point was that it's also uh, possible to stress this to the point that we, that we downplay the weaker, the rougher, the darker side of normal Christians and, and, and overplay this endless war that we have against Satan and against sin and to give the impression that normal, very normal Christians is to, be, is, is to live a life freed up from the battle and freed from falling into temptation and that if you do find yourself struggling, then you're not the normal Christian. Well, that was, and, and I talked about how cruel that, that was because it's simply not the case. Christians struggle. That was, that was all last week. Now, uh, today... We're doing part two. And I want to make, start by making a kind of a simple statement uh, that, uh, and make a point that C.S. Lewis, by the way, uh, make, made this point so very clear in his, his book, uh, Screwtape, uh, the letters, Screwtape Letters. And if you haven't read Screwtape Letters, uh, let me just say again, it's a classic. I know it's been around a long time. It's in a bookstore. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's humorous, but also deadly serious. And it's a book that so vividly depicts and accurately depicts the ways and the means of the devil and how the devil specifically, more than anyone else, likes to get inside the church and likes to go and bring down, bring down Christians uh, and to, to, to not only pull us down into sin, but pull us down into, into depression and a sense of insecurity and a spirit of fear. You know, the Bible is one of the most honest books in the world about the human condition and about our weakness. Uh, Jesus said, In the world ye shall have tribulation. We, we are not promised an easy ride in this world. It's the, it's the politicians and it's the philosophers, these kind of modern philosophers whom I refer to often as Mr. Worldly Wise Man, Born from John Bunyan's a great character in his book, uh, Mr. Worldly Wise Man. You know, I heard a politician uh, say just the other day, there's nothing, wrong with the, w- there's nothing wrong with man that's what's right with man cannot overcome. You know, malarkey. You know, take my vote away from that guy. I mean, uh, and I, I, I really kind of liked him until he said that. There's nothing wrong with man that what's right with man cannot overcome. So that is just not a biblical precedent. The Bible never says anything like that. You know, last week, <clears throat> two weeks ago, excuse me, I asked here in front of the class, did anyone here drink too much? You remember I said that? And, and I think I had like two guys, actually. <laughs> I did. Two guys raised their hand. And then I said, does anyone here have lewd thoughts? Well, there was a guy in the back. You didn't see him, but I did. He kind of put it halfway up. He didn't go up here. But... <clears throat> Went up there. And then I asked another guy, I, I, and I asked a question. If you were here, you remember. I asked the question, does anyone here suffer from a tendency to, to anger? A couple of people raised, uh, raised their hand. Uh, and then later that week, I ran into, uh, I remember the guy was in the class, I ran into, ran into him uh, and, and visited with him for a moment. He said, hey, Frank, you know, uh, when you were asking about all those things and you went through a catalog of these various things, he said, I didn't raise my hand because I was waiting for you to say, who suffered from all of the above? <laughs> 
So let's let's go through that. Uh, let's go through this again. How many? No, I won't do that. <clears throat> but I will say that if you're honest with yourself, I expect there will be a lot more hands going up as I work through these various and sundry things that bring us down. The Bible is realistic and tells us about tells us that these enemies and these things that we are up against uh, in the world uh, are stronger than we are, and the devil especially goes after Christians. So. Andrew was right, uh, uh, Andrew Pearson was right today in his sermon when he said uh, the church is a hospital uh, for sinners. So uh, we should not be uh, alarmed by discovering the fact, which seems to astonish some, that sinners often sin. But speaking of Christians who struggle, go through church history. Look through church history of the great fathers of faith. Let me just mention a couple. Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards once said he, was the, you know, he went to Harvard at 13 years old, precocious child, ended up being president of, of, of Princeton University, uh, 18th century. Uh, he said, I know not how to express better what my sins appear to me to be than heaping infinite upon infinite. Infinite upon infinite, he said. When I look into my heart and take a view of my sinfulness, it looks like an abyss de- infinitely deeper than hell. And that was Jonathan Edwards. William Cooper, the guy who wrote so many wonderful hymns, you know, The Cleansing Fountain. There's a fountain clean, uh, cleansed, there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilt and stain. Uh, and who, and who, who wrote uh, just, just any number of our, of our wonderful hymns. Uh, he, twi- he twice tried to commit suicide. A lot of people don't know. Uh, he, he spent uh, 25, uh, at 25 years old, he was confined to, uh, an, uh, to uh, asylum. Uh, but he, he said, my sin, my sin, oh, for some fountain open for my cleansing, oh, Lord, open some fountain for my cleansing. And then that's when he wrote that great hymn that we sang. In fact, just a couple of weeks. Charles Simeon. Uh, Charles Simeon is one of the greatest evangelical preachers of always uh, of the, that this church has from England. Once said when he was preparing for Holy Communion for the, that he took Holy Communion after his ordination and all of a sudden it hit to him said, my conscience told me that Satan was as fit to go there as I. That's Charles Simeon. But in spite of all of this, I don't know if you're there yet or not. Or I don't know if you're there at all, but uh, in spite of all this, the Bible tells us one thing. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, I passed out a scripture there. Do you, do you, have, you have a scripture? And what I would like to do uh, is to... Uh, to <clears throat> who has it? You have it there? Yeah, why don't you just read it for Davis? You've got the mic right there. Let's read, let's read Romans. <clears throat> What then shall we say to this? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us for us all, will he not also give us all things with him? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? If God who justifies, who is to condemn? Is it Christ Jesus who died? Yes. Who is raised from the dead? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed intercedes for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or the sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, that, that's, uh, if, if you'll notice uh, there in verse 37, we're more than conquerors. More than conquerors do, doesn't mean that we are victorious, all, all, the, all those things that one held us in bondage. More than what Paul is talking about here is that we are more, that even in defeat, we are still heirs of the kingdom. We're still God's children. We're still clean in God's sight. We're still precious in God's sight. And we have a hope that nothing in all creation can, can take away from us. It's been said that if the Bible were a mountain slopes, that, that Romans, the book of Romans, would be the highest peak on the mountain. It's also been said that if, that if the Bible were a ring, then Romans would be the stone on the ring and the very sparkling, the highest sparkling point of the stone would be, in fact, chapter 8, which we have pulled from, that we have pulled from here. Uh, but it is also important to remember that this is chapters, chapter 8, and you work your way through the first seven chapters uh, to get here, someone who who uh, touched down on the top of of Mount Everest in a helicopter. I don't know if that's possible or not. Is it? I don't know. But if somebody w- were to touch down on the top of of Mount Everest, uh, they would at that very moment not have that same feeling as someone who had climbed up there uh, and got to the, got to the top. If you know what I mean, it would be a different feeling. Uh, so my point is that we will not really appreciate the profundity and penetrate the deepest meaning of what Paul is saying here in Romans 8 un- until we work our way through the first chapters of Romans. But it, it culminates with wretched man that I am. Who will, This is the end of chapter 7. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then comes chapter 8, which begins, There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then we begin what you call the highest, the highest peak of the gospel. It begins with no condemnation and it ends with no separation, including the devil and all of his ugly legions. No one will be able to separate us from the love, love of God. So I'm, I guess what I want to ask this morning is, uh, do you feel that? Do you feel like you are more than a conqueror uh, as, as you fight uh, the, the things that, that bring us down? Now, I'm not talking about self-conquer. Uh, as Luther also said in the same hymn, uh, did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing were, the not right, were, the, were not the right man on our side. But how many feel like you are more than conquerors? And again, I'm not talking about self-conquer, but more than conquerors uh, because Christ is on your side, because of what he accomplished from his death uh, and, and resurrection. Uh, because I, I want to say this just as clearly, all the emphasis that I can muster, uh, that when we feel down and defeated despite our own striving, 
the one thing that we need to focus on is not our defeat, not our fallenness, not our wretched condition, uh, but on, on, on Jesus. We need to, we need to focus uh, on, on a sense uh, that he is the one that can lift us up. Psalm 27 is also written there on your handout sheet. Uh, look at those first two verses. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Here again, the, the, the focus of the psalmist uh, is on God. Otherwise, that he would have plenty to fear. But putting his focus on God uh, lifts his plight. It takes away the fear. takes away the guilt. As St. John said in his epistle, perfect love casteth out fear. So, are you, when you're down, are you down? Listen to what Paul says today. I love the way, he's, the way he starts this uh, on, on the 31st chapter. Uh, we're down. We're defeated. Uh, and then he comes up and says, well, okay, I understand. But what do you have to say about this? He's getting ready to tell them something. Uh, don't you like the way he introduces this, right, to begin uh, in verse 31? Okay, well, what, just exactly what do you have to say about this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He wants to, he's preparing us to possess spiritually in our hearts the power of what is going to follow. He's going to say, I know you're in the gloom, but I want to argue out of your gloom. What do you have to say about this? If God is for us, then who shall be against us? Verse 38, he goes on. For I am sure, he didn't say, for I have a good feeling. <laughs> he didn't say, I, I, have, I have weighed it, I put it on a balance scale, and I have a hunch. He didn't say, odds or. He said, I am certain. What do you have to say about this? If God is for us, who is against us? I am certain that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things to come, nor things, nor, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What do you got to say to that? And that's that's the, the power of what Paul is saying. And so when you're struggling and when you find yourself like a Jonathan Edwards and you find yourself, I mean, like a defeated person, and you fail, what the psalmist, what Paul, what the Bible wants us to do is to not focus on the plight, but focus on Jesus and the promise. If I feel like a C plus, I'm not going to focus on a C plus. I'm going to focus on what he's already accomplished for me. He said, I am, no, I am certain. He's factoring in the worst things in life. And even considering the worst things in life, he says there's no fear. And my question is, do you have this confidence? Do you, do, you, do, you have, do you feel like more than a conqueror? And speaking of confidence, you know, I, I heard we're more than conquerors quoted on, on television the other day, and it just, it was so, it was so taken out of context. It just really irritated the fire on me. Now, we, we all know people that, that have confidence beyond their ability. And Paul, is, Paul didn't write this because he read a self-help book. He, he didn't write this because he was in a good mood that day. He was convinced of some theological reality that he wanted to share with, 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 with these struggling Christians. But I know a lot of people are confident beyond their own ability. This has got nothing to do with what Paul's saying. Listen, I'm, I'm 5'8", 
you know, and sometimes I'll get up to 150, but not usually. And the one thing I wanted to do when I was, when I was a teenager was play football. And, and I, I was told by some people, who said, you know what, if you believe in yourself, you know, if you have the right enough confidence, you can make this work. And I said, okay, you know, and I really took it to heart. And I ran, and, I, and I, I, not only did I run, but I had combat boots, and I put uh, ankle weights on them. Uh, and, and I worked out, uh, and I lifted weights, uh, and I, I went to co- Coach uh, uh, Jeb Runninger, who, whose son, by the way, punted for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was a high school coach that day. And Orangeburg, South Carolina, let me tell you, they had a team this year. Uh, there, were, there were four of those guys on our team that went on Division One football. And one of them, Biff Bracey went to Duke. He was a good friend. But, but the guy I'm talking about is Jim Tom Oliver, uh, our quarterback, went to – he got a football scholarship at Alabama. He was, a, he was an all-state quarterback. This is in Orangeburg. He didn't play. And the reason he didn't play is because he couldn't beat out the guy ahead of him. And the guy ahead of him was named Joe Namath. And that's, <laughs> that's a true story. He played second string to Joe Namath and was so disappointed because he never could beat him out. And everybody in the Army would say, hey, can't, Joe Namath can't beat him better than Jim Tom Oliver. But anyway, I'm, I'm, off, I'm off on a tangent because my point is that I went out for football, and, and the coach, I remember when I went out, he looked at me and said, Frank, you must have amazing speed. And uh, <laughs> I said, no, sir, I don't have amazing speed. I got a heart. And I said, I just love to hit. I want, I want to tackle. He said, okay, well, by golly, come on. So I went out there, and the only thing I can tell you is, you know, for two weeks, all I did was eat dirt. I, I ate dirt, and I came home beat up and whacked around, and uh, I never made it to the beginning of the season. You know, I just finally just hung the cleats up, and uh, I never, you know, I, th- that's what you call being confident about your own ability, and, and, and my point is that, uh, you know, that has absolutely nothing to do with we are more than conquerors, and it, when I heard this used on television, that's the way this person would be. We're more than conquerors, you know, as long as you believe in yourself. See, but that has nothing to do with Romans. And has nothing to do. He's talking about more than conquerors through him who loved us. He left out that little part and part, that, that important part of it, through him who loved us. So let me, let me summarize uh, what I've said so far. That it's cruel to tell a lame man to get up and walk, you know, unless, unless it's Jesus doing the talking. It, it, it's cruel to tell a lame man to get up and walk. And similarly, it's cruel to tell someone that once you've given your life to Jesus uh, that you're not going to face the failure and you'll be able to overcome all that stuff that's bad about you. That's not so. I, 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 can, I can tell you, and I think Andrew did it in his sermon, which is a good sermon, I thought. But yeah, it, it, the point is that, yes, absolutely, the Holy Spirit can make a huge difference in your life. And when you see yourself making progress, and growing in Jesus' likeness, then you need to give the glory right where the glory needs to be, and that, is, and that is to the Lord. But Paul also said, let anyone, this is a quote, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So if, you're, if you feel confident uh, that you can uh, stand up to temptations, uh, if you feel that you can stand up to not just your temptations and overcome all of these things, and really if you feel like you can stand up to life in general, and all the things that, that, uh, that are arrayed against us, then you are naive. As Paul says, we're not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, 
Uh, and so it's, it's true not only of our own self and our inability to, to, to stand uh, and to be the kind of people we want to be, but, but also in, 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 in facing up to what the world throws at us. I was talking to my, to my mentor the other day, Fitz Allison, who will be here to preach next year, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and, but I, I, was, I was asking him, uh, I said, do you see any hope for the Episcopal Church? And he said, Frank, I don't see any hope for Western civilization. <laughs> now you can say, oh, you know, you're so depressed. But I'm, I, Well, point being, the world is not getting any better. I can tell you that. It can be a dark, Isaiah 9-2, every Christmas Eve. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. We who dwell in a land of deep darkness, we who dwell in a land of deep darkness on us, has light shined. And so his focus is not here. In this dark, the world can be mighty cruel. His focus is on the light, and the darkness cannot overcome the light. So regardless of what we see going on in our world, I mean, when the Twin Towers go down, and when the tornadoes hit, and the worst thing in the, that can happen in the world, it hits us right between the eyes, our focus needs to be not on us, but on our emancipator, on the one who can deliver us from this world. And I've said it like a broken record in my ministry, but I'll continue to say it. I know there's a lot of talk about, about uh, the existence of God, you know, whether God exists or not. And on one hand, that is a great, crucial question, but I think there's a bigger question than that. I don't think that's the central issue of religion, the existence of God. I think the central issue of religion is, does the God who, does the God who, does ex- does the God who exists care about me? Does the God who does in fact exist, does he know who I am? And is he, does he know my pain? Does he know my struggle? Uh, and, and does he care? And of course the Bible is, is an unequivocal witness to the fact that yes, he does. In fact, he knows how many hairs on your head. Uh, and and uh, he, in fact, he knew me before I was conceived. He knew I was con- before I was in my mother's womb. Now I know that's a, just a remarkable thing to think about. Is, uh, I, we, the, God, the God that we worship, we worship a God much smaller than what we want to make him out to be. Let me tell you. Yeah, oh, yeah, he knows all about you. First uh, Peter says, First uh, Peter 5, 7, Cast all your anxieties on God, for he cares about you. Isn't that a great verse? A little simple little verse. Cast all, cast all your cares on God, because he cares about you. Now, speaking of the psalmist and this affirmation, aforementioned Psalm 27. Check out those concluding verses there. Start, start with 7. He says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, and be gracious to me and answer me. Thou hast said, Seek my face. My heart says to thee, Thy face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not thy face from me. Turn not thy servant away in anger. Thou who hast been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. What a meaningful statement I think that is. For, or depending on your translation, or when, or in some cases, if my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Barbara Streisand, people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Well, I understand, but 
people who need God are the most <coughs> blessed people in, in the world. And don't get me wrong, we, we are thankful for the people who love us. Uh, that, that is the gift of God. We're certainly thankful for our mothers and our fathers. But we need to remember that they are only human. Uh, many people have been forsaken by their, by their mothers and fathers. Not all, but many have. But even for those of us whose mothers and fathers have not forsaken us, uh, we need to realize that they are limited in what, what they can do for us. There's a point beyond which uh, they cannot go. But God can go the distance. And if the world should stand up against you, and when you stand up against yourselves, and when you slip, uh, and when you fall, remember, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus is the way Romans begins and Romans ends with there is no separation. And in the middle there, we're more than conquered through him who loved us. Can't you see how, how Romans is kind of the Mount Everest of, of the New Testament? It's just the, the most uh, clear proclamation of the good news as that could possibly, possibly be. And so the prevailing question is born, do you, uh, well, I'll say given the fact that you are a struggling Christian, given the darkness of this world in which we live, do you feel more than a conqueror? Do you feel it? Maybe not because you are a human. But I, but I know this. To the extent that we can engage our faith, it is to that extent that we can feel that we are more than conquerors. You know, do we believe God's promises? Do we believe St. Paul here? Do we really believe this? Uh, do we believe what Jesus accomplished on the cross? Do we believe that Jesus actually stepped out of the grave on Easter morning? Jesus said in John 14, Let not your trouble, let your, not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. And he spoke those words to a very troubled disciple, some troubled disciples. Do we believe in God? And so to the extent that we can exercise our faith, to that extent will we, will we be able to feel that we are more than conquerors but let's also remember that we are all, all of us, including, including me, especially me, very much like the man in Mark chapter 9 when he, he brought a sick son to Jesus and said, would you please heal him uh, if you can? Remember? And Jesus said, what do you mean if I can? I love that. What do you mean if I can? And I don't know what the father said back. He mumbled out something like that. I don't know what he said. Uh, but he says, do you believe me? Do you believe, do you believe that I can do this? And, and immediately the father cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. So when you're feeling defeated and the world has come down on you, but you've let yourself down and you, 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 you've... You've fallen again to the wiles of the devil. The very thing that you wanted to do is the very thing you didn't do. Remember that nothing shall separate us from the love of God, including our shaky faith. Because if the church is founded on the, the faithfulness of the disciples, the Advent wouldn't even exist. The church is not founded on, on, the, on the faithfulness of those who came before us. The church is founded on the faithfulness 
uh, of God. And even when we struggle with shaky, shaky faith, as the old song says, keep your eye on the sparrow. Uh, there's many variations of that, of that song, but basically that really means that there is no creature, there is no, absolutely no creature that's too small and too insignificant to be under God's tender and loving care. And if that's true of a sparrow, uh, then remember, are there not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them shall fall to the ground without your father's will? Fear not, therefore, for you are more value than two sparrows. Who said that? You all remember who said that? You are more value than two sparrows? Who said that? Jesus said it. So let's... That, that's that, where that song comes. Keep your eye on the sparrow instead of here. Keep it on the sparrow. Let me go back to Jonathan Edwards. We're running out of time here. Remember, he's the guy that, that said that uh, infinite, he looked on his sin, it was like infinite uh, upon infinite. When I look into my own heart and take a view of my sinfulness, it looks like an abyss infinitely deeper than hell. Okay, but he took his, he took his view and put it on, the, on, uh, on, on Christ. So let me, let, let me read the whole quote. I do not, I do not know how to express better my, what my sins appear to me than by heaping infinite upon infinite. When I look into my heart and take a view of my sinfulness, it looks like an abyss infinitely deeper than hell. And it appears to me that, it, that were it not for free grace exalted and raised up to the infinite height of all the fullness and glory of God, I would appear sunk down in my sins below hell itself, far beyond the sight of everything but the eye of sovereign grace that can pierce even down to such a depth. The sweetest joys and delight I have experienced have not been those that have arisen from a hope of my own good estate, but in direct view of the glorious things of the gospel. The sweetest joys and delights that I have experienced have not been those that have arisen from a hope of my own good estate, but in a direct view of the glorious things of the gospel, he says. They can pierce down, even down below his grave and reach him. Even there, even into the belly of the whale, uh, even, in, even into the coffin, and even below the urn. There also, as, as, as the psalmist says, even there also you are there for me. So that, that's, that, that's, we guys who struggle, we need to keep, we need to keep our focus there and not, and not here. Because if I keep my focus here, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like uh, William Cooper. I, I just soon, I just can go ahead and tell you the truth. We got five minutes for anyone who wants to offer up an objection or or have anything to next as you think about it, next Sunday we're gonna have Peter and Janice here. I hope you come. We're gonna talk to Peter and Janice about their remarkable ministry that they've had here and we're gonna be talking about that. And I know Kathy Logue will be here and Craig Smalley will be here and we look forward to that. I'm gonna to get to fools, by the way. In a series, I'm going to do a series on fools. Frank, what do you say to the many people, including many uh, highly respected men of the past, like John Bunyan, 
who continually question their salvation because they seek a sign from God. Do you say the, that they are saved? They'll quit thinking doubtful thoughts or they'll get rid of whatever habit bothers them. Uh, what do you say to them other than what Paul said in 1 Corinthians? Well, I think that I, I, would, I, would, I don't know what else I have to say to them other than what Paul said in, in, in Romans chapter 8. Uh, when you look at John Bunyan who struggled uh, and then think about what he left, it is remarkable that someone who struggled with his faith as John Bunyan that could give us something that is so inspiring as Pilgrim's Progress so that God can even use a, a, a frail, fragile vessel uh, like, like all of us. Uh, and John Bunyan was like the man in Mark here who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But I will say with all, all the energy and confidence I can that any, anyone who wrote Pilgrim's Progress wasn't doubting his salvation. <laughs> that, would be, that would be that. I'm sure the devil had him by the throat. And they had William Cooper by the throat. Uh, but look what William Cooper left behind. Here's a guy who tried to kill himself. I don't know how many times, but he never could quite get it done. And he also wrote that hymn, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. No, William Cooper is a guy who struggled more than uh, probably as much as anyone who ever struggled. Maybe as much as me. I don't know. Oh, that's the only answer I have. I, even our shaky faith can, can separate from the love of God. Mother Teresa struggled. Who, who died in Luther struggled. There we go. It seems that the Bible is clear that um, he's all-knowing, knows every hair in our head, and even from the Romans passage that he's involved, you know, in our lives. Do you think there is some limit at which his involvement, you know, rests? Um, when my eight-year-old prays for help on her spelling test, is he that involved in the day-to-day? -day? Um, you know, I, that's what I struggle with. Yes. 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 He's so involved, I don't think we can even imagine. Now, you know, I'm not saying that he's, you know, she may come back and fail that test. But, you know, for some reason or another, uh, there are things that happen in this world that are against God's will that can't happen because nothing happens, happens in the world that, that God doesn't will. So th th there's a great mystery there. But even when she comes back and, and fails that test, you know, somehow or another God has got a plan for that little girl. And that, that even failing that test, somehow or another it's going to work out okay for those who love who love God. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's not like, a, who is a mid -bettler, mid, uh, uh, Middler? What's her name? God is looking from a distance. What was her song? Remember that song? You know, that, that's, he's, he's not looking at a distance. He's right there. He's in, 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 in whom we live and move and have our being. Uh, and and uh, he's infinitely involved. With the God we worship, we worship a God too small. He's bigger than we, what we can possibly worship. I, you know, I, someone told me a long time ago, quit, quit praying for parking spaces and things like that. And I said, well, you know, okay, I won't buy it, but I don't. 
I mean, I don't know. Why didn't Clemson go to the national championship game? I mean, I don't know. When they, you know, I said, dear Lord, you know, they were 8-0 in the top five. And I said, you know, don't make this be another Clemson collapse. And then, you know, what happened, you know, the rest. And so, to some extent, I quit doing football or weather. But on the other hand, <laughs> but on the other hand I, I, I can promise you that God is in control and that and his omnipotence is beyond anything we can even comprehend. Uh, and I, I do want to bring another quote back from, from uh, John Calvin about, about God's providence. And I promise, I, I've read it before uh, about the uh, apparent inconsistencies that we see with answered prayers uh, in contrast to, to God's involvement. And I want to bring that back too because it's really powerful. But yeah, I wouldn't discourage that little girl from praying about that math test. Yeah. Uh, it seems to me that this just just too good to be true. Now I can. I know. I I, I can believe uh, that they're talking. He's talking about you, and maybe even talking about Mary Kay. Uh huh. <laughs> but I I don't think talking about me. <laughs> what 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 do you think he's talking about? You're being nothing can separate you from the love of God. Is that what you think? Well, you think about what you're saying is Jesus' blood is not is not strong enough. Yeah. Well, be careful. <laughs> be careful, Dr. Wilson. I got to go dress for the next church service. Let us go forth into the world, rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Thanks be to God.